It is the first day of the week, so pleased to welcome my usual Monday guest, Acumen Laws, Kyla Lee. Kyla, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for the time. Now, I I wanted to start by getting sort of some reaction to the news last week regarding the resignation of the governor general. So, of course, Julie Payette stepping down amid the allegations of a toxic workplace. She kind of passed the buck right off in her uh, her resignation letter saying it was sort of the office of her secretary that was kind of being blamed a little bit in her in her letter there. But uh, that aside, what kinds of rights, I guess, uh, just do employees have in these types of situations if they're feeling like they're being bullied or attacked and they're in this quote-unquote toxic environment is there anything that workers can do to try and address the situation from from a legal point of view i mean the first step should probably be to talk about your concerns and see if you can address them with the actual individual that you have issues with but that isn't always the easiest thing to do especially when talking about people in these really high uh, positions of authority so what sort of legal rights i guess do employees have in these types of situations Well, you have the right to a safe workplace, and that includes safety from bullying and harassment. So, I mean, the first step, um, if you can't resolve the issue with your your colleague or your superior, is to talk to whoever's in charge of that person. Um, Set out your concerns, because that puts the employer in a position in which legally they have to act. They have a duty to investigate. They have a duty to follow up. They have a duty to make sure that everybody is safe and behaving appropriately in the workplace. If the employer doesn't, after being put on notice that there's an issue, take any action as a result of it. The employee then has a right um, to leave the workplace and to sue the employer for what's known as constructive dismissal, essentially saying that you were forced out uh, of work, you had to quit because your workplace wasn't safe um, and you were, you were essentially coerced into quitting your job. That sounds like something that would be really difficult to potentially prove, especially, you know, if we're talking about individuals who are in management positions, probably have a lot of friends within the, the office place that you have concerns about and that you are leaving. Um, is that a difficult thing to, to prove, especially if you don't have a lot of other people who are kind of feeling the same way that you are? It can be difficult to prove, especially if there are people who are giving a different version of events. And one thing that struck me and perhaps was unfortunate in in what the Governor General said in response to the report was that different people experience things differently. Mm -hmm. And it is the case that a lot of these workplace conflicts where somebody feels that they're being bullied or harassed are often a situation where people are experiencing things differently and other people aren't alive to how their conduct is causing other people to feel. Um, And this is a very difficult thing for employers to deal with, um, which is why, legally speaking, if you're an employer and you want to protect yourself, you should have very clear policies in place in your workplace about how employees are to conduct themselves, how criticism is to be dealt with, how job performance assessments are to be done so that nothing goes awry. You Mm -hmm. insulate yourself best by creating a clear workplace policy about this. If someone out there is sort of feeling like maybe they're in this type of a toxic work environment or they have an individual that they have some issues with within the workplace and can't seem to resolve them, um, you know, at a, at a peer-to-peer level, is there anything that you would kind of recommend that maybe people keep records of or, or, you know, what can they do to sort of help their case if they're just sort of feeling like maybe sooner than later they might be in that kind of last resort position where they need to take some type of legal action? 
absolutely keep a diary uh, where you write down shortly after it occurs everything that's happened um, as soon as, as you can so it's fresh in your memory. Um, don't keep it obviously on any work-owned computers or any work-owned, you know, keep it on a, a personal computer, your personal phone, or even a handwritten document. Um, make sure that you create a good record of it. Be cautious if you're going to record anybody in the workplace surreptitiously because although in British Columbia we have one-party consent, many workplaces have policies against recording and some people have found themselves in legal trouble for creating recordings in their workplaces to prevent workplace harassment. Okay, so some some interesting tips there for anyone who maybe is finding themselves in a difficult spot and, uh, you know, hopefully they don't want to take legal action. I'm sure no one wants to go into that kind of last resort step, but it is something to keep in mind if you are finding yourself in that type of an environment, uh, something that nobody wants to deal with. But of course, you know, there's probably a, a, it's probably a pretty common thing that people choose to ignore right in their in their own workplace, say, uh, you know, they they take the time to think about how they feel, but maybe think that they're the only ones who's feeling kind of in that vulnerable position and, and sort of try to sweep things under the rug. It's unfortunate, but that's definitely something that I think uh, is probably more common than not uh, in the professional environment. I think that's all I had on that particular subject. I did want to talk a little bit about vaccine rollout here with you, Kyla. So, of course, the province of BC announcing last week sort of a step-by-step game plan on how it is planning to deliver inoculations across the province. We know the first group involved those in long-term care homes, whether it be residents and staff, both of those kind of being in that initial phase because we know those in long-term care and assisted living are sort of the most vulnerable to the virus. So that made a whole lot of sense. But then moving on to the second phase where it talks about seniors over 80 who are not part of a long-term care or assisted living center, indigenous seniors over the age of 65, hospital staff, uh, medical specialists, and then other vulnerable uh, populations living and working in select congregating settings, which is a pretty um, you know, vague uh, depict, uh, uh, descriptor there of who we're talking about. But what are some of the concerns that uh, you, know, you might have for the province uh, based on the way it has rolled it out. So after we get to phase two, of course, phase three, it basically just goes by age, 75 to 79 in the next group, and then 70 to 74, basically going down the list by uh, five years at a time um, for the foreseeable future. But was there anything within this layout, within how they're kind of proposing to deliver inoculations and to who they're proposing to uh, inoculate based on certain timelines, do you think that the province has opened itself to potentially some type of liabilities as it pertains to, to this plan? The province may be exposing themselves to liability. We've already seen dentists have claimed that they should be included in the healthcare professionals because they do provide a form of healthcare, um, and the province hasn't seemed to share that view. Um, uh, police officers and first responders have also been very concerned because they do go into the high-risk situations, especially firefighters and paramedics who are going into homes and actually dealing directly with people who need to be transported to hospital as a result of COVID-19. All of these people we know are at an increased risk and they aren't included um, in the the plan for the vaccine rollout as a priority group and this could lead to some liability um, for the province if somebody in those settings were to, to follow all of the COVID safety plans, get sick nevertheless and suffer serious illness, they could potentially bring a lawsuit against the government in negligence for not making the vaccine available to them knowing the particular risks that they face in their profession.
And, and when you're talking about that potential, I mean, we're only in need of one individual, right, to experience those types of issues. It's not like there has to be a group of people who are affected in the same way. If it was just one individual who, who got some serious um, um, side effects as a result of contracting COVID-19 and, and, you know, should have probably been one of those in line to get a shot earlier than later, um, that's all it would take, right? It, it is all it would take. And one individual can also be very expensive. You might think, well, you know, one individual gets sick, they're off work for two weeks, you know, maybe they develop some, some more severe illness, but they recover. You know, how much could that lawsuit be worth? But if you actually think about the damages that would flow from it, it's not just the person missing work for a couple of weeks and having some illness. It's also everybody else that's affected by that. People having to pick up extra shifts, um, uh, overtime having to be paid to other first responders to cover. Um, I've heard from numerous police officers since this started that they're extremely short um, because of how many people are out at a given time and it's stretching the resources of our first responders very thin right now and and not allowing access to the vaccine is only going to make that worse. Is it possible too when we were looking at the vaccine rollout? I know hospital staff are sort of in that second chunk, but uh, you know we're starting. I know here in in Kamloops at the Royal Inland Hospital, we have a pretty severe outbreak that's occurring at this point in time. I mean, is it possible even even now for for those in the healthcare setting to maybe feel like they should have been inoculated first, or is there maybe no no real uh, argument there, given that it is going to care homes first, which has clearly been identified as the most vulnerable spot? I don't think that anybody can argue with it going to care homes first. You only need to look at who's died um, as a result of COVID-19 to see why that decision is being made and, and the particular risks that individuals in care homes face need to be addressed. And, and I take no issue with that, absolutely. Okay, I didn't either. I just wondered if, you know, if it's a possibility at all. Uh, one more question here in regards to, to the vaccine. And we know there's been delays from Pfizer when it comes to uh, sending sending vaccines to a lot, number of places, including here in Canada. Right, well, well documented delays in getting the Pfizer vaccine here in our country, um, but I understand as well uh, that Italy is mulling over the idea of potentially suing the American drug company Pfizer over some of these vaccine delays. Um, you know, it hasn't gone through yet; it hasn't been confirmed that they're actually going through with it. But they're thinking about it. Do you do you see that as something that uh, is is appropriate at this point? I mean, do you think that it would be a really really long suit when we're talking about something of, of this type of nature? You know, a, a country suing a, a, a multi-billion dollar um, 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 pharmaceutical company. I imagine that's something that would take a long time and it's not going to really help this issue. Well, I mean, from a legal perspective, I wonder how Italy has much of a leg to stand on suing Pfizer when there's no duty of care that Pfizer owes to the country of Italy to provide it with vaccines. They're a private company. They can sell to whoever they want and they can distribute on whatever timeline. Unless there's a contract in place that's been breached, um, then I don't know that Italy has much of a case for a lawsuit. But as far as the appropriateness of it goes, tying up a corporation and its resources in lengthy litigation and expensive litigation being argued over jurisdictional boundaries between two countries on two completely different continents is only going to delay the vaccine rollout for everybody else because Pfizer can't direct those financial resources into the staffing and production necessary to create more vaccines and to solve this problem. So I think what Italy is doing is not going to solve the issue. It's only going to make it worse. Yeah, I think it's probably just an empty threat more than anything else. But I did find it interesting that a whole nation was kind of going down this road of at least considering it and letting people know that this consideration is, in fact, on the table. Um, I guess just while I have you to, in terms of uh, the Pfizer, um, the company itself, and, and just all vaccine makers, 
makers, right? Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca, all of them. They pretty much have been um, given freedom here in, in Canada anyway. If anything were to happen, if there was any serious side effects, they wouldn't necessarily be held accountable. I was just wondering if you had any concern about that, kind of given this blanket immunity, if something were to happen. I mean, God forbid, we all hope nothing happens. And, and you know, we're, we're all sort of looking at this as a, as a good thing, right, to get the vaccine out as soon as possible. But if there was to be some, some sort of long-lasting side effect from getting a shot, is it fair, do you think, that uh, these companies are sort of not going to be held to account? You know, ordinarily, as a lawyer, I would say I hate blanket immunity, but I, I do think that it is fair in the circumstances of this, because these companies have been putting all of their time and all of their resource into developing a vaccine on a completely abbreviated schedule. Um, they're working overtime, and they're spending a lot of money in the hopes that they can create a vaccine that's, that's workable. Uh, it doesn't; It's not cheap to do that mm-hmm. as a corporation. It's a huge investment, and I think that they deserve some recognition of the role that they are playing in attempting to manage the pandemic and if that comes in the form of immunity from uh, from litigation over uh, harm caused by the virus then that's the cost that we have to pay fair enough kyla as always thank you so much for the time really appreciate this have a great rest of your monday we'll do it again soon thank you for having me all right that's acumen laws kyla lee